This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Are we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. When you take the physical away, you start to really break down who the person you're talking to is. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've seen me on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another spicy episode of Dates and Mates. It's February, or as we call it here, Love Month. So... We're going to turn up the heat. Today, we're going to be talking about temptation, attraction, intimacy, and relationship pacing. You ever wonder how you can practice slow love if you've never done it before? Or do you think, does having sex on the first date reduce your chances of long-term love? Will waiting for intimacy make it hotter when you finally do the deed? These are the questions that the cast of Netflix's hit TV series, Too Hot to Handle, contend with. All right, if you haven't seen the show yet, first of all, it's fantastic, very salacious. And here's the concept. They put 10 gorgeous singles on an island where they, you know, hang out, wear bikinis, live together, and fight for a chance to win a $200,000 grand prize by, get this, staying celibate. (laughs) The show has become so popular that everyone knows the game. So this season, season four, they had to trick the contestants by making them think that they were on a raucous hot new reality show called Wild Love. Surprise! (laughs) Instead of wild love, you get to sleep in a bed with someone you're wild about and you can't do anything about it. Well, too hot to handle, it is full of twists and turns that actually, believe it or not, can teach you a thing or two about your dating journey. And that's why I have two stars of the show, James Pendergrass and Britton Bird, joining us today to share their love story and reveal the surprising realizations that they had on the show. But first, I got a hot dish for you. Americans plan to spend nearly $26 billion on Valentine's Day this year. But what are they buying? Then later in Dear Demona, I'll answer this question. I have found myself involved with someone who wants a large family when I'm not sure I even want kids. Do I need to shift my mindset or let it go? All right, folks, let's fan these flames because we're going to turn up the heat right now. These dating dish. CNBC says Americans plan to spend nearly $26 billion on Valentine's Day. But have you ever wondered what they're buying? I wonder this. And I also have been thinking a lot about what we call infladating. This is the impact of inflation on dating. So I really expected this number to go down. But according to the National Retail Federation, Americans are going to spend $26 billion on Valentine's Day. And that number is up from $23.9 billion last year. So, I mean, I know it sounds like, oh, that's just a few billion extra dollars. (laughs) It's the second highest year for spending since the NRF began tracking these numbers in 2004. And that just makes me think, 
I got to know, what are people spending it on? And who is spending this much money? Because if we're inflating and we are contracting and trying to spend less money on dates, 40% of people on OkCupid say that inflation is impacting their dating lives, then why are we going out here spending all this money on Valentine's Day? And what are we spending it on? So here, here's the numbers. According to the CNBC article, millennials aged 35 to 44 plan to spend an average of $336 on Valentine's Day. That's the most of any adult age group. And then, you know, the 25 to 34 folks, they're still spending $238, which is a lot of money. And overall, if we average it, you know, the sensible, you know, baby boomers... <laughs> And the the Gen Z consumers, people are going to be spending about 193 bucks on Valentine's Day overall. What are they buying? They're buying candy, 57%. Greeting cards, 40%. Flowers, 37%. By the way, they're not going to last. Those flowers are going to die. I know. You thought, you thought I was going to have a more romantic approach to Valentine's Day. 32% will spend it on an evening out. I'm I'm an experiences kind of person, so I think that's a good use of the money. 21% on jewelry, 20% on gift cards, and 19% on clothing. Let me tell you something. If you think you're going to walk in to Valentine's Day giving your partner a gift card, you better think again because you are not, you're definitely not getting any. We're talking about too hot to handle in a little bit, but like you're definitely not getting any if you give someone a gift card, because to me, that says I am lazy. I just stopped at the grocery store to get this greeting card because I couldn't show up empty handed. They were out of flowers. <laughs> the flowers just looked real weak by the time I got there. All the candy was sold out. So I ended up with this, uh, you know, Bass Pro <laughs> gift card for you. <laughs> nah, folks, you don't need the Bass Pro Shops gift card. That's for when you're taking the fish pics on your dating profile. But please, let's just do better this Valentine's Day. But by do better, I mean, let's be a little bit more mindful. Instead of throwing money at the problem, let's be thoughtful about the way that we want to spend Valentine's Day. And whether you're in a relationship or not, I do think it's important to just acknowledge this day. This is a day of love. It could be a day of self-love. There's Galentine's Day where you show love for your friends. There's, I used to, even when I was single, I would give out Valentine's to all my friends. And I just love that exchange that I would get back. But if you're going to go out on Valentine's Day and you want to do something special, I'm going to give you a few ideas because you got to start planning it now. But you don't have to go out to eat. That's just the default. You could do something creative. I love doing art nights at home. You could pick up some paintbrushes or paper and canvases at your local art supply store, light some candles. You don't need a potter's wheel for your, you know, grand ghost romantic moment. You could just, just do a little bit of an art night or do something childlike. Evoking feelings of nostalgia will automatically bond two people on a date, whether you have a long history or you're newly matched. So do something silly and carefree. Go to the arcade. Go mini golfing. Do something that is just for the pure fun of it. It doesn't have to be super romantic. You could cook a meal yourself at home. Cooking actually helps couples communicate 
And it also gives you that sense of accomplishment when you've done something together and you can share it together. And the cost is a lot lower than if you go to a restaurant. And if you are going to a restaurant, be smart about it. Many times you can use points for your meals, or if you can't use points to reimburse yourself, you can acquire points and then use it to buy something else. Maybe, I don't know, a Bass Pro gift card or something. (laughs) No, not that. But obviously, it would be highly tacky to bring out a coupon in front of your date. But you could do a lot of things sort of behind the scenes or making reservations in advance at a deal. And also keep in mind that restaurants jack up the prices on Valentine's Day. They do their little prefix menu. They pick the most expensive things because that is big business for them. They're trying to make that money. I mean, we are in the era of infladating. So celebrate your Valentine's Day on a different day. It doesn't have to be February 14th for you to celebrate Valentine's Day. And I want to remind anyone also that is single and doesn't have a date for Valentine's Day that it is really just a day. It's there to remind us of the love that we feel for ourselves and for others. But you get to choose the way you want to celebrate this year. And as long as you're not breaking the bank to do it, then you're doing it just right. When we come back, James Pendergrass and Britton Bird will be here to talk about their experience being too hot to handle on Netflix's Too Hot to Handle and everything they learned about love and dating in the process. Lovers, if you are new to me and you're like, who is this Demona person and what does she know about online dating? I will tell you, I know a lot. I actually met my husband online many, many years ago. We had our 15th wedding anniversary this year. So that tells you, first of all, I'm an online dating OG. Second of all, it's how the majority of my clients have met their matches since then. Third of all, I have worked as an insider at many dating apps. I've done events for Match.com. I work with OkCupid as their official dating coach now and spokesperson. And so I know a lot of things about how you can optimize your dating profile to get the best matches for you. Not for everybody, but the specific matches who are going to be right for you and to conserve your time, your effort, your energy, your money for the right kind of matches. So if you're on the online dating struggle bus, do not worry. I am here to help you, and I have a free resource for you. It's called the Profile Starter Kit, and you can get your hot little hands on the Profile Starter Kit just by going to datesandmates.com. Scroll down to the Profile Starter Kit. Give me your email. I'll send you tips on how to write a winning profile. I'll send you plug-and-play templates and a video on how to choose the best dating profile photos that really tell your story. Dating apps work, but you got to make them work for you. And I will help you do that for free at datesandmates.com. Welcome back. James Pendergrass and Britton Bird are contestants in season four of the Netflix reality show Too Hot to Handle. Off screen, James is a physical therapist, model, and basketball enthusiast. And Britton is a model as well. Like, A cover model, to be exact. They're beautiful, but they're also bright. And now they are officially a couple. Please help me give big smooches to James and Britton. Hello. Oh, wow. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much for being here. Whew. 
That season. <laughs> About that season. Wait, we've got to start at the top because we all we all know Too Hot to Handle. We've watched Too Hot to Handle. But they tricked you guys. They tricked you. And you thought you were going to be on a completely different show called Wild Love. How did... how? First of all, what made you want to sign up for Wild Love? How did they get you on this wild adventure here? I think what sold me was the idea of wild love. Wild love sounded so extravagant and different that I've never experienced anything that remotely close to something like wild love. So I heard a bunch of singles in an exotic place, having fun. It was like sold right there. What about for you, Britton? For me, I just think of like hot people in a jungle and like Tulum. <laughs> when I hear of wild love and I'm super adventurous, I'm super outdoorsy. So I was like, I could totally one up these other girls. That sounds so fun. In physical, in physical competitions. <laughs> in dating, definitely not. But in physical, absolutely. I can climb a wall. <laughs> so Britton, I remember you saying, you said in the first episode, you were like, yeah, I'm like kind of a sex addict. <laughs> well, well, look, <laughs> Jay's laughing. Look, I'm just saying, and I know I know how reality shows work and they sometimes try to get sound bites for you, but how much of that was really true and how much of that were you kind of playing up for the concept that we thought you were doing? I wish I could say I was lying, but I definitely wasn't. I love intimacy. <laughs> I love touch. I love anything sexual really but that I think uh, that I think I needed a break from that I think honestly the show was good for me because now I don't know it's so much more valuable to me when I get that from James when you found out it was too hot to handle and you know this this sexy beautiful creature that you are was not going to be having any sex what went through your mind chaos (laughs) (laughs) Chaos, honestly. When you go in with an expectation of one thing happening and then that kind of gets ripped out from underneath you, it kind of is just like a rude awakening of what I got myself into because you're stuck on this retreat. You can't go anywhere. I felt like I was in like sex jail for a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Was it the same for you, James? Were you in sex jail? Was I? (laughs) I was not in sex jail. I mean, when I heard the rules... When I heard the game from Lana, I knew it was time to buckle down and take things seriously. I wanted to win. I wanted to compete and I want I wanted to be the best. So if you give me a bunch of rules and a list of things I need to do, it's gonna be done. And so if the rules are not have sex, not kiss, no heavy petting, I'm gonna follow the rules because that's what I do. I have discipline. So <laughs> it was was it tough being with this person 24-7 and having to try and restrict myself? hundred percent. But it was also tough seeing $200,000 possibly going home with me and not giving up on that chance. Mm. But that created a little bit of a challenge between the two of you, right? Your your uh, desire to win and to stick to the rules could have cost you the relationship that you have. Britton, talk to me about how you were feeling when you're in the gameplay and you're in this situation, you're in a, you're in a pressure cooker in a reality show, right? Mm-hmm. And you're getting to know one another and you're feeling bonded to him, but he's really being strict about the rules and about the, the desire to win. Yeah, it kind of sucked at first because he's here focusing on the money and following the rules. And I could care less about the money. I didn't come here for money. I came for adventure. I came for fun. So... 
I think because we had such separate mentalities, it clashed really hard. And then at the end of the day, I kind of just wanted to feel at least like the intimacy part, because intimacy isn't just sexual, you know, it could be physical touch, it could be emotional, it could be compliments, could be other things, which he did actually give a lot to me that just wasn't really shown. But either way, I still needed more for that extra validation. And so it was really difficult for me. But once we found a good flow, it definitely grew into something greater. Mm. And you seem to know right away. I mean, you, you picked you picked James right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I'm curious for you, James, what made Britain stand out to you? Oh, she's going to love this. She- <laughs> I hope I'm going to get my compliment. Oh, <laughs> man, here we go. I basically set you up, dude. Like, this is it. <laughs> you can win back all that goodwill. <laughs> man, that's, yeah, okay, that was a curveball. When I first walked into the villa, I did have my eye on somebody else when I first walked in. And that was just off initial attraction and, and the physical look. I, I saw my usual type back home. And that was something that I knew I had to kind of break the cycle from coming into the retreat. They were, the whole point of coming to the retreat is actually doing everything but the physical. And so when you take the physical away, you start to really break down and look at who the person you're talking to is and like what they have to offer from an emotional and mental standpoint. And one thing that this woman does right next to me, oh, here we go. One thing that this woman does is she speaks from her heart and everything that she got, that she gives from her, her voice, her thoughts, her opinions, it's all from a, a good place. And everything that she gives is 100%. And that's one thing that I can't take for granted in this life is somebody who's going to be giving their 4% emotionally and mentally. And I, I cherish that every day with this woman. Oh, that's so beautiful. See, that is really cute. <laughs> Have you heard that before, Britton? No, I've heard snippets, oh. little bits, but never the full, the full entourage. Mm. It's unloaded right now. It's really cute. This is so cute. And it's so different than what you expect to see come out of too hot to handle. Mm -hmm. Was there a point in the competition in the show where you were like, you know, I went in for wild love and now I'm in something totally different that I did not expect? Yeah, I think there was a point like that for me. After my whole situation with Ethan, when I kind of was like, quote unquote, getting what I wanted from James is what I realized that's not really what I was looking for and that what I had before was way more fulfilling. I just kind of, we didn't have a flow yet. Like it just didn't click yet. But once I kind of had that realization and was a lot more open to how he was feeling and his approach and what he's going through mentally, it definitely changed the game for me and realized that I actually had a lot more care for this person that overtakes all the physical that I was demanding from him, really. Mm. What about for you, James? Was there a moment when the the experience flipped for you? Oh, yeah. Episode five. <laughs> when we had the punching bag scene and she wrote on my bag and it was kind of put out there to everybody that this is what we're going through. And it, it, was, it was made public. That was the biggest turning point for me in terms of actually trying to see her and understand her from what she's trying to say. And what I was doing throughout the entire season was I was speaking for her. And I, I was 
kind of making the decision for her without giving her an opinion to speak on things. And it backfired, obviously. It was kind of like a, a tough experience. But, um, you know, it's part of the game. It's part, it's part of learning each other and experiencing each other and what we have to offer. So let's, let's just talk about, let's talk about the sex. Because for a lot of people, now I hear all the time on the show people are like, I have to have sex with somebody like first date or right away to even know if I want to invest in, re- in a relationship with mm-hmm. them. And the whole conceit of Too Hot to Handle, it, that is flipped. Mm-hmm. And you cannot be physically intimate mm-hmm. with each other or yourselves. <laughs> and it, I see in my practice that it really shifts the dynamic. And, you know, here you two sit before me in a committed relationship. I wonder if you feel like this process changed the way your relationship unfolded or could it have unfolded like this in the real world if you met as old, old Britain and old James? It's actually funny. Um, when we both lived in Hawaii. We lived, I want to say, maybe eight minutes from each other. Mm-hmm. And I have lived there for two years. She was born and raised there. We have never crossed paths, ever. And I think the way we accessed our relationship through the show compared to if we would have did it before the show, it would have been an entirely different route that I don't think would have been as successful as it is now, honestly. The way I approach things now with him and the foundation we built is so different than I'm pretty sure what we would have done if it was pre-retreat. I think I wouldn't have gotten to see the true James and taken him as seriously as I do now if we were put in a different situation. If we weren't learning all of these aspects of how to love and respect each other and how to care for each other and listen to each other, I don't think we'd have that same foundation at all. We could have been together still, for sure, but I don't know if it would have been built the same and we wouldn't have been as strong of a foundation. Would you recommend that people try this as an experiment themselves of waiting to have sex or, <laughs> I mean, they're not going to win $200,000, <laughs> but, but maybe you win something more valuable than that. I mean, I think everyone should be open to that possibility for sure. I think there's a lot of potential and people that you may overlook originally. If you do just treat everyone like a one night stand, but also I do see the other side of it. I do think I am the way I am because I had that phase of my life and that experience so I don't regret it. And I'm not going to sit here and tell people like what to do with their lives because I think we live in an era of sexual freedom. But if you are looking for a committed relationship or do want to take someone seriously, I do think setting that foundation before and really getting to know that person will make a big difference. Mm. From the male perspective, James, does it, does it sit with you the same way? Definitely. Yeah. Especially, especially after the experience I just went through from the show. Definitely. I've always been somebody to try and see somebody inside out before sex. You, you want to know somebody and know who you're talking to before you actually want to engage in giving up yourself fully to that person. Two different people. See, two different people. 100%. We <laughs> came out the same, but we entered very differently. <laughs> yeah, very different. Yeah. But, you know, I love seeing the connection that you've built and... I can't help but think that the experiment or, you know, retreat experience that you went through did have a bearing on what the future holds for you. Mm-hmm. I just have to address, there have been a lot of folks <laughs> that say online, I'm sure you've seen, that are like calling your relationship fake. Mm-hmm. 
that don't know if it's legit, if it's for the show. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of speculation about whether you were together after the show. What do you say to those people that don't believe that what you have is real? I personally don't really have anything to say to them because honestly, we know our relationship, we know each other. And many of the experiences we share and the time we spend together is very private, it's very intimate. And I don't feel the need to go and like share everything on social media like some other couples do. It's just a different way of, yeah, how we're choosing to approach our relationship. We could just put everything on blast but and show how much time we spend together and show how much we care for each other virtually. But I think people would still call it unauthentic if we did it that way too. So I think that we know what we are and we know what we have. And that's more important to me than like, feeling the need to like validate ourselves constantly to the public. I think it's way more special what we have. Yeah, looking at the complication, we'll call it, of uh, social media. I also talk a lot on the show about like, you know, when do you, do you soft launch the relationship? (laughs) When do you like, you know, uh, when do you claim somebody officially on social? And it's complicated. Mm -hmm. And I imagine for you, also being on a reality show and having me having hosted and been a part of many reality shows, I know that there are restrictions to what you can say if the show mm-hmm. hasn't aired yet. Mm-hmm. And so there must have been a long period of time where you were together after the show and you couldn't even post about it. Well, basically, yeah, we just like weren't allowed to be really seen with each other in public for a while. We weren't allowed to post online for a while. Even after the original launch of the first half of the episodes, we still did not have permission to post together and be public together, even be seen on the street really together. So I think we had just been doing that for so long that it kind of would feel weird to put everything on blast immediately after. For me personally, this is my personal experience. I know James has a slightly different mentality on it. What? What? You are way more open than me. Have you seen his TikTok? Oh, God. (laughs) For me, yeah, we are kind of different, honestly. I'll say that. Because when I look at this woman, I look at this woman as one of the best things to happen to me in my lifetime. And I feel like at times it's kind of like a hindrance if I'm like holding back and not showcasing how great this woman really is. And so it's different because, you know, I, I, would love, I would love to show off this person and how great she is to everybody because I feel like everybody should see how amazing she really is. But at times I do understand where she's coming from in a sense of this is like, it, it's, our, it's our thing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, this is what matters most. I mean, everybody else can see it, but what matters most is what we think. So. Yeah, I think it's just different for me. I get a lot of like direct messages and stuff about our relationship and people like throwing their opinions on me. And it is a lot to take on because we're still figuring our things out. Like now that we are able to finally live our relationship in real life with being able to be seen and going out to dinners and going to the beach and taking photos together, like it's a totally different relationship than what we had to have for the past amount of time since filming. It's a lot to go through a reality TV show premiere and with everything coming out and everything being so exposed. It's already so vulnerable that I kind of want to like keep everything a little private with us. I enjoy the little bit of privacy, but. I get that. And our listeners can't necessarily relate to being on a reality show and 
not being able to post about their person from that. But I think there actually is value, just like the abstaining from sex revealed something new about the relationship, mm-hmm. holding back from announcing your relationship to the world also kind of gives it a chance to grow and incubate mm-hmm. and evolve without everybody's eyes and comments peering down at you, right? Yeah. I almost feel like, you know, when people are pregnant and they don't tell anyone for the first three months. <laughs> I feel like it's like that. It's like you've been <laughs> relationship pregnant. <laughs> so I'm curious, having watched the show and now chatting with you, how do you feel your relationship is different now than when you were on camera in that pressure cooker situation? Do you feel like the two of you are different today? You're very different individuals. From the camera relationship to our relationship now, two completely different things, mm-hmm. 100%. Agreed. We have a lot of the same mindsets, but the way we go about things mm-hmm. in reflection of that is so different, but we've been navigating it and just seeing what works and what doesn't. It's a lot of trial and error, but in the end, like we just care a lot about each other. And I'm working on being more vulnerable and trying to listen to him and understand him because he's weirdly good at relationships and I just don't get it. <laughs> I am very new at this, so it's a lot for me sometimes, but we're still figuring it out and we're finding a good flow. These things take time. The best things take time. They do. All right. Well, Britton told us what she's working on. James, what are you working on? I knew you were going to do that. We always have to be bettering ourselves, right? And learning and growing in relationships. Yes. (laughs) What I'm trying to work on is being a better partner. Not asking the question of why you're doing the things you're doing or why it's this way, but trying to understand where it's coming from. I think that's way more important than asking the subtle question of why. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to be like a more understanding and reasonable partner. That's great. (laughs) You know, people always say relationships are work, and I don't really think they're work in the way that most people describe it. Like, being on Too Hot to Handle, like, that was probably work, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) But being in a successful relationship, I feel like it's more just about showing up and growing into your best self with your partner and helping them become their best self. So I can see that you two are already on this journey. One more question. Before we go, how's the sex now? Oh, wow. I'll let you answer this one. <laughs> go ahead. How is the sex now? Mm. I got James blushing yeah, over here. I was, I was not ready for that one. <laughs> it was everything I expected and more. All right. Any <laughs> final words, Britton? Uh, I can second that. I can second ah, that. He has to wait. <laughs> Understand your partner. Thank you so much for joining me, James and Britton. Be sure to follow James on Instagram at James Pendergrass underscore. And Britton, as she says on the show, like the country, but spelled better at Britton, B-R-I-T-T-A-N underscore bird, B-Y-R-D. The links will be in the show notes. In a moment, I will be back to answer the following listener question. I'm on the fence about having kids and it's making dating a little bit complicated. What can I do? I'll tell you in a moment. It's Love Month, and you know I love to help you out with your dating questions. Dear Damona. Damona, help me. Marie from Instagram says, Hi, Damona. I just turned 30, and I feel like at this point, I'm not sure if I want kids due to a few reasons. Financial and 
environmental resources depleting. I'm not sure how much weight to put into this decision so early on when I have a prove to me that I want kids with you because we will be good at raising them together outlook. When I'm swiping, if I see don't want kids or unsure, I think, oh, that's a positive. And if they have once kids selected, I cautiously proceed. I recently went on a first date with this great guy knowing his biggest goal is to have a family, and he mentioned it again in person. I tried thanking and releasing after the date, but we found ourselves talking again. So now I feel like I'm in limbo. Would a mindset shift help when swiping? Thanks so much. Thank you for your question, Marie. First of all, girl, I got to shout you out for doing your homework. You've been listening to Dates and Mates. She's talking about thanking and releasing. That's where we give somebody that energy when we release them from being in partnership with us because they're not right for us. And we let them free. We let them fly. And we don't hold on to the emotional stuff that's left behind. And also, she's talking about a mindset shift, which you know is the first dating loop. If you haven't heard that mini-sode, you can go back and listen and understand my dating philosophy. So I like this. We are dating from a place of clarity. And so I want to flip it around on you because it sounds like this guy is dating from a place of clarity too. He has clarity that he wants to have a family. He's mentioned it to you again. And so what he's actually doing here that you might not realize is he's actually pre-qualifying you. He is letting you know up front, this is my goal and I need you to be here or don't waste my time, girlfriend. <laughs> That's what he's saying in that subtext. And by continuing the relationship, you are, without realizing potentially, you are actually acknowledging that you are open to that possibility. Now, if that was just a big slap across the face and you're like, what, Demona? I never said that. I just want you to know that that is what he is probably reading from you continuing to be talking to him and, you know, flirting with him, going out with him, whatever it is that you're doing at this point. So I ask you, Marie, is that fair to him if you don't have clarity? Or is the door actually open enough for this to be a possibility? Because if, if you're just like, absolutely not, I really, I, I think about having kids and I just, it, it socks me in the gut. It's just not, not in my life plan for the foreseeable future. Then I think you need to honor that. And this is one thing I love about the work that I get to do and doing this for so long. This has actually been a relatively big shift. I just realized, Marie, that I've been doing this since you were 15 years old or younger, actually. <laughs> so in that, so you don't actually even know this, that in this time, there's been a big cultural shift where the assumption used to be that a woman that was just turning 30, as you are, must be wanting to have kids. And if she says she doesn't want to have kids, that maybe it's entrapment. And she's just telling me that because she she wants to keep it cool and chill and low key, but actually she's hiding these these deep-seated maternal vibes. <laughs> and it's really only been in the last 5 to 10 years, not even 10, girl. It's the last 5 years that we have really 
even seen an openness to you being able to choose your own relationship future and your own path to motherhood if that's something you want or do not want. It's such a big question. And it's tricky because in a way you're being asked to think about it when you're still in a place of lack of clarity. So your homework here is to really think about the pros and cons of this particular relationship and that possible future for you with or without a child. And let that guide your decisions, knowing that this person is being crystal clear about his goals. And if you are not in alignment with his goals, you have to be able to think and release him again. If there is a potential and you are still figuring it out and you could see if it's maybe 51% believable that you might be able to have a serious relationship with this person and have children in the future, then I think it's okay to continue the relationship with you responding to him talking about wanting to have kids with absolute clarity yourself that you do not have clarity yet. But you know what I love? I love people dating with intention and really using this process of dating to learn more about ourselves and to get clarity on what we actually want for our lives. Because sometimes we ask ourselves a question in a vacuum and we don't really know until we are actually going through the motions with somebody else and we get to see that potential and that future ahead of us that could unfold as a possible reality. So I'm really curious what you do from here, but I've given you all of the viewpoints to consider, and I thank you for listening to Dates and Mates so intently and applying what you've learned to your love life. I hope you enjoyed episode 449 of Dates and Mates. I would love to hear from you. If you have a question like Marie, the DMs are always open at Damona Hoffman on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And a voice memo on Instagram would be real cute. I do love to hear your voices, so don't be shy. Just go ahead and send me a voice memo there or leave me a voicemail. The phone lines are always open at 424-246-6255. We will be back next Tuesday with a very special Valentine's Day episode, and I will be joined by my dear friend and mentor, Doctor of Human Sexuality, host of the Sex with Emily podcast. Emily Morris. It's going to be another hot one. Until then, I wish you happy dating.